Welcome to The Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mom of six kids, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of The Crystal Payne Show. Today's topic is one that I am a bit uncomfortable, but also really excited to talk about because it is a topic that Jesse and I have kind of alluded to, skirted around, talked about, touched on a little bit in some of our episodes, and those have been some of the most listened to episodes. And we're going to talk about secrets of sex and marriage. And so due to the nature of this topic, I'm guessing that the conversation isn't going to be completely PG. So I'm just putting that out there because I know we have a lot of moms who listen. And so if you have little ears around, just know that we're diving in. And I am so excited to have my friend Shanti Feldham back because she is just so fantastic at researching and bringing so much depth to topics. And this topic is her new book that she wrote with Dr. Michael Sitzma. Did I pronounce that right? Seitzma. Seitzma. Okay. Seitzma. Mm-hmm. Dr. Michael Seitzma, Secrets of Sex and Marriage, Eight Surprises That Make All the Difference. And I think we all want to know what the surprises are. And so we are going to dive into that. But first, Shanti, you've been on the podcast before. Most people know who you are, but just in case they don't, just give us a little refresher on you and what you do. Absolutely. I, you know, I I come at all these relationship topics. I'm a social researcher and I dive into these things that are, okay, what are the little things that are going to make a big difference in people's relationships and in our lives, really? But Normally, you have a psychologist sitting in that seat, right? Normally, you have a counselor or a therapist or a pastor, and that is not my background. I actually started out as an analyst on Wall Street. And so um, that's where the experience and the analytical background come to be able to really kind of approach this from a, what do the non-psychologists need to know? stuff that the rest of us doesn't get. Mm-hmm. So this is a big issue in marriage, this topic of intimacy. It's, it really is like money, which I think was the last conversation you and I had. It's a huge issue for a lot of marriages. So mm-hmm. we were excited that there were a lot of really simple things that make a big difference. Mm-hmm. And you alluded to that in the book um, on page, it's page 50. You said, Here's one key reason it matters. Couples who are in low-sex, no-sex marriages, having sex less than once a month, which I appreciate that you, you know, actually- quantify Yes, yeah. what that is, because I think some people are like, what does that actually mean? Um, are much, much more likely to be struggling in many other ways in their marriage. And couples who are having more sex are far more likely to be thriving, which I thought was really fascinating. Like, I've always felt like, you know- sex really does do something for your marriage. It's like the thing that just really binds together your marriage. It's like, and if that's not happening, it kind of just feels like you can try to be fixing all these other areas where then if you just prioritize sex, it can make a huge difference. You go on to say, we must take it seriously that a spouse who is unhappy about how often they have sex is 10 times 
more likely to also be unhappy in their marriage. That's powerful. It is powerful. And it's uncomfortable to Mm. talk about, right? Because there's all sorts of reasons. What we found in the research, this was based on a three-year research study. Um, And the reason that I wrote this with Dr. Michael Seitzma, who's this renowned sex therapist, is that I knew my normal research process with something, a topic this vulnerable, like we could do damage if we weren't exactly accurate. And one of those areas where it can be hard to hear stuff like that is that there are lots of reasons why somebody might have issues in that part of their relationship. And so one of the things that I want to say right up front is that this is not saying that if there is some issue that is causing that to be a problem in your relationship, that you can't have a good marriage. Of course you can, right? This isn't the end-all be-all. However, we also found that it acts like a red flashing warning light in most marriages, where um, if that's starting to diminish, if there's starting to be issues in that area, um, that it really actually is a predictor of oh, you need to look a little more closely. There's probably some unhappiness here. And there's probably a reason to take seriously, like even if my spouse doesn't mention something, I probably should. Mm -hmm. And that's hard because this is such a, a delicate topic. But oh my word, when we started looking at the numbers and I started doing the interviews and started realizing what I was seeing in the data, If you will sort of take this seriously, wow, there can be such a powerful impact on your marriage. Mm. And you alluded to three years of research. Yes. Tell us more about that. (laughs) Yes. This actually, this was a pretty funny research project because normally on all the other topics that I've studied, you know, men, women, the workplace, parenting, what was the last one you and I did, money, um, Normally, we do a lot of focus groups, we do a lot of formal interviews, and we always do a big survey, big nationally representative survey. But one of the things that's most valuable is a lot of random interviews. Like whoever happens to be sitting next to me on the airplane, like I don't know who they are. If they're talking about their kids or whatever, they can be completely honest. On this topic, <laughs> if I were going to do random interviews, like we would have needed a budget line item for bail money. <laughs> like I would be arrested. And so part of what we did in the research for this, it was really, really special, is that we had a bunch of people who just anonymously offered for me and Jeff, my husband, Jeff, we always do a lot of the research together, to interview them on Zoom with their cameras blacked out Mm -hmm. and a fake name. Like they could see us, but we couldn't see them and we had no idea who they were. And they picked fake names, which was really hilarious because we had like farm boy and buttercup. (laughs) you know, or Wanda Envision or whatever. Um, And we heard a lot of real people stories Mm -hmm. that way. Mm -hmm. And then just so you all know, the the hallmark of all of the research projects I do, at the end, we do one or more nationally representative surveys to be able to kind of go like what we were hearing, does that apply to like 10% of people or does it apply to 82% of people? And um, in order to find out, like, across all ages and racial backgrounds and religious backgrounds, like, what is common? What are the hurts? What are the things that work? 
And so that was, we did that for this as well. Got a lot of really good data. So eight surprises that make all the difference. I know we won't have time to talk about all of the surprises, <laughs> but I would love for you to pick a few of them that you especially just found insightful for us to talk about. Yes. Well, I will tell you just as a starting point, if you, if you don't mind, one of the, the very first one that we talk about in the book is basically helping people understand what's normal out there. I know that sounds really funny, but don't, don't turn off your, your device when we start talking about this, but it actually is really helpful for people to go, I don't know where we fit, right? Like me and my husband, like, are we abnormal in how often we connect in this way? And one of the things that we found that is actually really helpful for everybody to know is that there really is a wide array of normal. And the key is, what is it that works for the two of you in, in unity on this, on this topic? And so we have everything from a pretty concerning number of on our, we had a, this was the largest survey that's ever been done of matched pair couples, meaning that you know who the husband and wife are married to each other. Um, on this topic. And so we know that 23% nationally representative are in low sex or no sex marriages, which is a concern. Um, and that tends to pair, as you were talking about, with a bunch of other marriage issues. Um, now, that does also tend to rise as couples get older, not surprising, but still, there's a lot of things that you can do intimately as you get older where this doesn't have to diminish as part of your life. So there's that. And then we found, honestly, it tended to be about a quarter, a quarter, a quarter, where then it was another almost 25% of people who were like, you know, somewhere between um, once a month and a little less than once a week. And then there was another roughly a quarter that were one to two times a week. And the final quarter that was three or more times a week. And then, of course, there's the robust 4% that were every day or multiple times a day. <laughs> so. You know, it's interesting because there's this influencer that I follow on Instagram, and she oftentimes will do these anonymous questions, like oh, you know, yes. the things that you really <laughs> want to know and you yes. kind of want to crowdsource. And and. Every time she asks people for anonymous questions, it's how often are you having sex? Like That's that. why I said this. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I sort of figured like we spend $120,000 on these surveys. So I'm like, let's just share what people are really wanting mm -hmm. to know. Mm -hmm. So the, the thing that's the key about all of that is, and there's plenty of other stuff in the book. There's, you know, talk, you know, some people are like, well, what's normal in the bedroom? I'm like, we are not talking about that on a podcast. Thank you. Um, but you can find all of that because it's actually kind of helpful um, because one of the dynamics, especially when you and your spouse are like tussling it out over like maybe somebody's a little unhappy about the frequency or whatever, there is a tendency for either us or our spouse to say, well, I'm not the only one. Like, you know, this many people here don't do that either or whatever, or to use it as a hammer. Well, everybody else does, right? And I want people to be able to see that whatever they're saying, that's not necessarily true. There's a wide array of what is normal. And you've probably heard this before, but it is true that it really matters most what you guys come to in unity. So that's just the starting point mm -hmm. to get us going. Mm -hmm. Okay. So 
Let's talk about some surprises. Okay. (laughs) Well, and I hope that that is one of the surprises about the fact that there's a wide array of normal, but, um, but one of the big, like life changing surprises for a lot of people. And I will say, especially for a lot of women, um, is it turns out we have this, um, what's the right word? We have a lot of tension. We have arguments around this topic because often simply there's the pain of one person wanting more than another, another more connection than another. And that tends to be the husband, but it isn't always. About 24% of relationships, it's the wife who actually wants more. Um, but let's just talk about the majority for the moment. And you have an assumption in your head it's, it turns out it's 79% of couples, one person it wants more than another. There's a mismatch. And the assumption is, if there is a mismatch, there's one reason why. It's just that one person has a lower libido than mm-hmm. the other. One person has a lower drive, right? And it turns out that actually, yeah, it, it's possible that the other person does have a lower drive, but often that's not the reason that you're not connecting as often as somebody wants. It turns out that often the problem is that there's two different types of desire and we don't know that this is even a thing. And so we have all this blame and this concern because, and I'll give you the sort of the picture that all of us have in our head of, again, what's normal. It kind of comes from the Hollywood Mm. idea of like what you see in a movie, like think about what you see in a movie or on, you know, some Netflix show where the, the husband and the wife, the guy and the girl, they look at each other and there's a spark, right? Like there's this hunger, like they can't wait to go after it. And they start kissing and pretty soon the clothes are off and they're in bed. And that's this like presentation of that's just what sex is. That's how you approach it. That's what it it looks like. So if it doesn't look like that in your house, you know, the, maybe the higher desire person is like, what's wrong with you? And the, maybe the lower desire person is like, what's wrong with me? Right. And it turns out there's physiologically two primary types of desire, not one. What you see on Hollywood, you could call that initiating desire. And that person has a desire to pursue it, to initiate it, thinks about sex often, and actually feels a sense of desire before anything happens. But it turns out physiologically, the second primary type of desire actually works exactly the opposite. Mm. You could call that receptive desire. And someone with receptive desire, what we found is physiologically, the body works in the reverse order. You tend to not feel a sense of sexual desire. You don't have that like, ooh, you know, feeling and you decide to get engaged with your spouse sexually. And as you do, then suddenly those feelings start to arise. You start getting stimulated and assuming that it's a positive experience, right? Like we're assuming this is all goodwilled relationships and that kind of thing. But assuming that it's positive at that point, then desire starts kicking in. And that may be what your spouse felt 10 minutes ago. And that one thing frees up so many people because what we found is 73% of women have receptive desire, okay? 
And I think it's 38% of men have receptive mm. desire. Now, and especially as men tar- start to get older, once they hit like 50, 60, 70 years old, they may start flipping more into that receptive desire mode. And where the thing is, you're just not thinking about it. Like your body just isn't having that stimulation ahead of time. And so what we tell uh, couples is recognize neither person is broken. (laughs) There's no right or wrong here. This is two, literally two different physiologies. And it makes so much difference if you work with it rather than thinking it should be different. Mm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Would you maybe go for a run or take a nap or read a book or get together with a friend? Well, I know that a lot of people I talk to wish that they had time to better their spiritual, emotional, physical health. And one way that you can do that is through therapy. I am a huge fan of therapy because in our home, it has been something that has made a major, major difference in the way that we approach life, in the way that we think, in the way that we raise our kids, in helping our kids and ourselves to have better emotional language around how we're feeling and not let our feelings just come out sideways as anger. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I would recommend giving BetterHelp a try because it's entirely online. You don't have to leave your home. And get this, you don't have to go out searching for a therapist. Not only is it convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule because it's online, but you go to BetterHelp and fill out a questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. And also, if that isn't a good fit, you can switch therapist at any time for no additional charge. It's time to make time for something that is going to feed your soul and help you to become stronger and healthier as a person, not only emotionally and spiritually and mentally, but also I think there's going to be a trickle down effect physically too. Visit betterhelp.com slash crystal pain today and you're going to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash crystal pain. Are you ready to turn your home into a sanctuary of productivity and inspiration? Look no further than HomeThreads, where functionality meets stylish organization. At HomeThreads.com, you'll discover furniture designed for the ambitious go-getter. From efficient workstations to chic storage solutions, they've got everything you need to make your home a hub of success. I got to order from HomeThreads and I think of them pretty much every single day because I have this beautiful tree that I ordered from them and this stand in my office and it just adds the perfect touch and I love it so much. If you'd like to order from HomeThreads, head over to homethreads.com forward slash crystal and get a code for 15% off your order. Because where your home supports your dreams, anything is possible. That's homethreads.com forward slash crystal to get 15% off. Homethreads, love where you live. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. 
All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. I got to try out Armoire and I was so impressed. I've tried a few other clothing rental services in the past few years and this one by far has been my favorite. Not only did I love taking the style quiz because it was really enlightening and insightful to me to figure out what my style is and it kind of helped me to refine some things that I didn't realize before. I'm more of a classic style, by the way. But also, I was super impressed within what they curated for me to pick from for my case that they would send to me. And I have to tell you, so I got the armoire case in the mail, which is just a fancy way of saying the bag of clothes that they sent to me. And I have loved every single one. In fact, I'm wearing one pair of jeans that they sent me yesterday. I wore jeans and a sweater that they sent to me. And I have just been so surprised how they nailed my style, nailed my size, and have sent me clothes that I have loved. So they have so many different clothes to choose from, so many different styles and sizes. And I love that they're all very high quality. If you would like to try out Armoire. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit Armoire Style forward slash crystal. That's Armoire Style, A R M O I R E dot style slash crystal to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry what to wear again. Try Armoire today. I was thinking how just to be able to have that conversation as a couple can just change so much yes. to understand it, but then to have that conversation and yes. kind of understand where each of you are. And one thing that you talk a lot about in the book is communication. Yeah. And you were telling me off when, before we started how, you know, just starting to work with Dr. Seitzma and how, you know, he's just so open and so used to this and you were very uncomfortable. And I feel like this is a topic that in marriages can feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And especially because we all bring our own baggage to the table. And for some people, sex, there's a lot of baggage that comes with it from previous relationships and just other things that were really dysfunctional in their childhood. And so how can couples start to feel more comfortable having these conversations? Like what are some just suggestions, you know, if if a woman is listening to this and she's saying like, I really want to broach this topic of receptive desire with my husband, but I don't even know how to go about it. How to do it. I know. Well, actually you're pointing to one of the reasons that Dr. Seitzma, when we were starting this process, We both said, what do we want to make sure is accomplished with this book? Um, Because, you know, this is for me a new thing, working with an expert in this particular area that I was researching. And one of the things he said is we have to, like he's seen the numbers also in other surveys, we have to write it in a way that it is set up so that a couple can read it out loud to one another Mm -hmm. and use that as a starting point to be able to talk about this stuff and make it just 
matter of fact and comfortable and not, you know, embarrassing. Like we worked really hard to take an awkward topic and make it very open and easy to like talk through with your spouse. And, and actually I was so, I was so delighted because we say, you know, read, you know, something, read a few things out loud to each other and just keep going and see what happens. And we were doing another um, interview with a, a married couple that has a fairly popular podcast. And they told us right before we went, um, before they pushed record on the podcast, they said, okay, we have to tell you something that was funny. We had gotten this from, you know, the publicist or whatever had sent them the book. And they said, you know what? We just, we always read a book at night. You know, we go through the whole thing and maybe take us a couple weeks. We'll read it to each other, a few, you know, pages or 10 pages or whatever. And that's their thing that they do um, to sort of communicate about whatever. And they had just finished their latest book, the latest book. And so they were like, oh, well, the publicist sent us this one. Let's read two or three pages a night. And they said, we got through not two or three pages. We got through two or three sentences mm. because it was like, really? That's how you think? I had no idea. And none of this is rocket science. This is really simple stuff, but it gives you language to be able to say, is this why you've been a little bit depressed, honey? Like, is this what you've been trying to tell me? Or, hey, honey, you know, you know, I'm the higher desire wife in this situation. Look at what this says about, is this you? I mean, all of that can be so life-giving if you just approach it with curiosity. And you have a brand new workbook that comes yes. along with it. Tell us a little bit more about that and what your hope is for the workbook. So the workbook is actually, we called it Unlocking an Intimate Marriage, and it pairs with the book, but it's different in a really important way. The idea behind it um, is to be able to allow people to go through a marriage curriculum in their like church small group or home group or whatever in a way that's comfortable, you know, talking about marriage overall and this being one piece of marriage. And so we wanted to sort of zoom out a little bit and not and not have a small group workbook called <laughs> Secrets of Sex and Marriage, because I don't think any small groups would have gone through that one. Um, but what we're hoping is that this actually helps walk people along the, okay, I do want an intimate marriage in mm. every way, not just in the bedroom. I really want more connection with my spouse. And what we found, by the way, I know you have mostly women listeners, but we found that men actually want that just as much as we mm. do, which was really encouraging. They, just like us, they may approach it differently or not know how to approach it. And so this gives people a chance to be able to kind of grow in a comfortable way about marriage in general and then talk about this topic more specifically at home. Like, we'll get you started, but then you there's some uh, ways that you can then take that conversation a little mm. further at home. I love the idea of reading the book with your spouse. Um, Jesse was really excited when he saw I was reading the book. <laughs> 
But I love, I thought, oh, that's a really great idea because if you feel uncomfortable, I feel like most marriages, if they're, you know, semi-healthy, you know, seeing a book like this, they're going to be like, we want, you know, these are areas we want to work on this. We want to communicate better about this. And this can give you a tool so that you're not feeling awkward and uncomfortable. It's like the book is there to, to, to guide you and to open up the door for those conversations. And um, yeah. I just loved how you talked a lot about communication and how we can miss each other so much. You gave some examples of that. Totally. Well, I mean, one of the things that when, when we got the numbers back and I started, you know, we were crunching the data and I was looking at one of the charts with Dr. Mike and I'm like, is this saying what I think it's saying? <laughs> because this is a really big deal. And one of those was around communication where literally the people who just, if, if you are able to talk more about this topic, everything in your marriage improves. It improves in the bedroom right? But it also improves in your emotional connection. It improves in all these other areas of marital closeness. And if you can't talk about this topic, unfortunately, it also tends to signal that there's other issues that you're not communicating about and that there tends to also be issues in other areas. I, I think it was something like the numbers, I have to actually look, but it was something like for people who have great communication on this topic, that there are something like 80% of them are, you know, happy with their sex life, generally, you know, enjoying not too much conflict about discrepancies of frequency, but people who don't have great communication, it was something like 25% mm. were happy with it. And, and that says something. Mm. And we always tell, <laughs> this is a little aside, we always tell husbands when we do Jeff and I do a lot of marriage conferences. And um, if a husband comes us up to us privately and says, you know, this is just an area where I just, I want more connection with my wife in this area. What do I do? We're always like, look at page 32 and talk to your wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like ask her how her day was. Mm-hmm. Because this communication, we can show them now in black and white. It actually makes a difference mm-hmm. in that area of mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. You talked about an intimate marriage and you were saying, you know, it's not just about sex. What, how would you define that? Like how would, you know, we were, you were defining like what normal is, what would an intimate marriage look like to you? Well, intimate. Okay. So intimacy, if you think about, we use it as a euphemism for sex often. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you think about it, it's so much more than that. But what is sexual intimacy and that like gives you a clue as to what regular, what the broader definition is. If you look at the Hebrew in the Old Testament, where it says, you know, God introduced the man to his wife, <laughs> and then and then the and then Adam knew his wife, and that word is yada. Okay, Adam knew, and we think, oh, that's a euphemism. Actually, it's a really powerful word to know. And to know your spouse in the most intimate, vulnerable way that they can be known, if you think about it, that's really what intimacy is in all areas, not just physically, where you yada your spouse, you can know in a really intimate way their fears around money, right? Like you know that your husband, you you see him stressed out 
about his job and working all these extra hours and you wish he was home more with you and the kids and you start getting curious and you start like investigating and you find out that underneath the surface, there's a really deep fear of, I don't know if I'm going to be able to provide for the family. And it's this terror of having something go wrong and failing the people he loves the most. Well, now you've just known something that's really, really important. And when you start coming alongside now your husband in this example and and actually saying, I'm so sorry, I didn't realize just how big of a deal this was to you. And, you know, if, if, you know, we do things out, go out to eat, like, and I'm thinking, oh, I make enough money to, you know, support that, that I didn't realize that that was causing this fear in you. Can we talk about it? You're building intimacy. And so to me, that's one of the key parameters is if we're talking about building an intimate marriage, you're talking ultimately about really knowing one another. And so as women, because like you said, most people listening, although we do have a few guy listeners and maybe this podcast, they're going <laughs> to have just more. Say. <laughs> yeah, but like a, a woman who's listening, who she just is like, I don't, I just feel like there's no hope for my marriage. Like Aww. I've tried, I've tried to communicate with my husband and I just, I don't, I just feel like, sure, this sounds like a great book, but it won't work for me. Yeah. So one of the things that I hear when I hear stories like that, that level of hopelessness, right? There's obviously bigger issues there. And one of the things that, now I need to say this up front, okay? Sometimes th- that is a signal that there are very big things that have to be addressed, right? And one of the things that I always encourage people is if there are some of those Like if there's any kind of abuse, if there's like significant addictions, if there's something that is kind of preventing that log jam from being broken, get the help. Even if it's just you getting the help, if your spouse doesn't want to, because we have seen the most miraculous turnarounds um, for people. So I always say that right up front, right? But often what we found when you see that hopelessness And this is going to sound stupidly simple, but I'm going to say it anyway. One of the things we've seen in all the research is that usually those, well, it's just nothing's going to work. Nothing's going to get better. That feeling, it doesn't come from the big issues. Mm -hmm. Those big issues might actually be there, right? But usually what it's from is you have a husband and wife who both really care. It may not look like it to you. Like you may not see him caring or he may not see you caring, but both the husband and the wife usually really care. And they both have been trying so hard what they think is the right things to like care for the other person. And we find they're trying hard in the wrong areas or they're trying hard and worse, they're actually hurting each other without intending to. And so that's one of the reasons why we do this research and do these research projects is to identify what are those things so that if you're going to put effort into something, you can try hard in the right areas and so can your spouse. And this isn't saying that if there's problems, it's your fault. Of course not. That's not what I'm saying. Like you've been doing it wrong. No, What I'm trying to get across is that usually it is a 
astounding what happens when you've been trying hard in the wrong areas without realizing it. You've been hurting your spouse without realizing it. And suddenly you're, ha- you're equipped with a little bit more knowledge about something that's really important to your spouse. And you reach out a little bit and then suddenly there is a response. It's like suddenly hope starts coming back at that point. And this area of sexual intimacy, that's a big one. I just can't encourage enough everyone listening. If this is an area or you feel like we're doing great in this area, but you know, <laughs> still get a copy of this book because, you know, I know being married to my husband for 20 years, you have some really great times and some times when things aren't so great. And so having the tools at your disposal to be able to communicate, to understand your spouse better, to have these conversations, to facilitate these conversations, and to really get more on the same page. And so that you can have a better, stronger, more intimate marriage. So get a copy of Shanti's new book, Secrets of Sex and Marriage, Eight Surprises That Make All the Difference. I think it will surprise you. I think it will encourage you. I think it will give you hope. And I think ultimately you're going to find that it's going to make a big difference in your relationship. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com.